Welcome to Pop Pantheon, the podcast where we completely overanalyze all of your favorite pop stars and then rank them in the official Pop Pantheon. I'm your host, DJ Louis XIV, and this is a special edition of the show where, because we just completed a three-episode run on the epic career and discography of the great Madonna, we thought it would be good for us to publish an episode that came out way back in April 2021, so nearly two years ago. Wow, it's incredible how long <laughs> we've been doing the show. And this was our original Madonna episode. Now, this episode with Jezebel's Rich Jezwiak, a pop pantheon fave, who I would like to add is currently featured on our latest episode of Pop Pantheon All Access, which is our Patreon channel. And we just put out an episode a couple days ago where Rich and I are deep diving into Madonna's primary pop counterpart, Janet Jackson's seminal 1997 album, The Velvet Rope. And I just wanted to take an opportunity to throw that in here. If you're not a subscriber to Patreon, if you subscribe at the icon tier, you're getting at least one bonus episode of the show per month, access to our Discord channel, access to the guest list at my pop party, Gorgeous Gorgeous here in LA, and so many other perks. So our latest episode is a deep dive into the Velvet Rope, and Rich, who is the guest on this episode we're about to get into on Madonna, is also our guest on that. So subscribe at patreon.com slash poppantheon, or I will also put the link in the show notes of this episode. But back to this episode, which is one that is divisive, I would say. Some people think it's the crown jewel of the early episode of the show. Some people really found it frustrating at the time because we chose to focus the whole episode on a period of Madonna's career where she was not at her peak. I want to reiterate something I've said in the past, which was that this was the fifth episode of the show ever. I was so excited to talk to Rich about Madonna. And at the time, I didn't realize that we were going to be able to do multi-episode arcs like we do now on these big stars. It's so much material to cover. And of course, as you guys know, having come off the last three episodes of the show, you could spend hours and hours and hours talking about every single Madonna album. You could spend two hours talking about Vogue. I mean, it's endless. So the way that I thought to address that at the time in my nascent podcasting days was to not get into a lot of her peak era and just sort of discuss what had gone wrong for her over the period following Confessions on a Dance Floor. Just to recap, we've now done episodes on her first three records. We did an episode on Like a Prayer through Bedtime Stories, and we just published our third episode in the series, which covered Ray of Light through Confessions on the Dance Floor. Those are the periods of Madonna's career that I see as her peak eras. This period that Rich and I get into is a period of commercial decline. I mean, I guess there's no real other way to speak about it, and a period where her public persona has been, again, divisive. I know some people view it differently through different lenses, and that's fine. This conversation with Rich is is a discussion between two Madonna fans who care about her, care about her legacy, and feel a form of disappointment in what's gone on in her career over the last, let's say, 15 years or so. And I think it's worthwhile to publish here again because we did just celebrate her for all of her great achievements. And I think it is an interesting conversation about perhaps where she's lost some of her juice. All pop stars reach a period of time where they are less commercially successful. Many reach a time where their work isn't what it was in the past. So this is not exactly unique to Madonna. Although Madonna defied gravity for so long in her career, I think as the series has illustrated to this point, that analyzing her specific fall from grace 
at least in a commercial sense, feels integral to our understanding of the pop pantheon. As I mentioned in the previous episodes, to me, Madonna is the pop pantheon as we know it today. So it's just as meaningful, I guess, to talk about some of her fumbles as it is to celebrate her achievements. So Rich obviously is a genius and has so many incredible insights. If you've listened to this episode before, I hope you hear it with fresh ears having come off of the last three episodes. If you've never heard it before, please remember that on a personal note, I had so little experience with hosting the show, with recording the show. Please forgive the sound quality and like whatever other bullshit novice podcaster things I do in this interview. And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you've enjoyed this entire series. So here is a republishing of our April 21st, 2021 episode on Madonna with Jezebel's Rich Jezwiak. Uh Okay, so I'm here with Rich Jezwiak, senior writer at Jezebel and host of the podcast Pot Psychology. Welcome to the podcast, Rich. So happy you're here. Thank you for having me, Louie. I am super honored to have you here. You're one of my all-time favorite writers, so this is a big Thank moment for me. Thank you for, for saying me. that. It's true. The, honor's for, the honor is mine. So we're here today to talk about a pretty big topic in the context of the pop pantheon, which is Madonna. And she casts a pretty big shadow over pretty much every single person that we talk about on this podcast. And I grappled with like how to structure this conversation because I just felt like if we started going off about every single Madonna album one by one, we could be here for 35 hours. So instead of that, I sort of wanted to focus our conversation a little bit on a topic I know both of us are very interested in, which is Madonna's career over the last 15 years, which has been an interesting and somewhat sudden slide from relevance, slide from sort of her formerly seemingly unbreakable core vice grip on pop music that she held on to for 25 years and that seemingly evaporated overnight. And I, uh, you know, I, I couldn't think of anyone that I'd want to discuss that whole thing with more. So just to kind of get us started here, both of us wrote about Madame X, Madonna's most yes. recent record. And we both... Yes. Um, received quite a bit of backlash online and via email. I know that I got some death threats on Twitter and I know you got lambasted for your review of Madame X as well. And I mean, look, the thing here is I love Madonna so much. She is the reason I'm obsessed with pop music. She is everything to me. So my disappointment in some of her recent work only speaks to how much I love her. And I went into it with an open heart. Yeah, me too. And, you know, and that was to to me, like, I, I, I don't want to lean so hard on this review that's like two years ago although people still do come on my instagram telling me to re-review it or like to take down the review it's it's like i i just find it so bizarre that like i mean the reason that i don't like that record is because i'm fully aware of madonna's capacity to make a good record and it's just so strange to me that she has these fans who like this is their hill that they're willing to die on it's like 
not a max bitch they're too old to be doing this too it's like i expect this i from know the, i expect this from the swifties you know like i'm ready exactly for <laughs> it's like are you 50 because i think that they're like either 50 or brazilian <laughs> yeah. uh, they seem to there seem to be like a lot of young brazilian people who really like madonna still but like otherwise it's just like to care this much about this woman you had to have been there for the 80s so you're at least knocking on 40s door if not already there and through it so what is going on in your life that like you really think it's it's completely mind-boggling to me i don't get it either i you know the way that i opened that review was thinking about how much how difficult it must be of to course. be madonna at this point i feel like i have compassion for her but I, but also like the stupidest thing and i think like probably part of the shock that people experienced when they read what we wrote is that there's this convention with modern criticism that's like standing it's just it, an extension of standing Exactly. You can't say anything bad. And like, and, and then so what? So like, wait, I'm supposed to give Madonna a pass because she's Madonna. Like, what sense does that make? I, like, sh- Madonna's fine. <laughs> she's yeah. got $500 million at yeah. least. Yeah. And not to mention the fact that like a review is an act of love. Like no one has put as much thought into it as you did with that review. And your disappointment only speaks to how much you actually do give a fuck about her. Exactly. But I want to just talk about Madame X is the culmination of an entire era of Madonna completely losing the thread and it's just and it's fumbling which is fascinating because for 25 years up until hung up or i guess some could argue up until the justin timberlake record madonna was making relevant hit music for 25 fucking years i mean that is fucking insane there are so few people that you can count in pop music that were making hit songs for 25 years so she deserves every plot she has ever ever gotten for that fact alone i mean let alone the rest of it and all the other major contributions she made that is an achievement and to me it was almost like she lost the thread overnight And I've spent so much time trying to understand where things began to unravel for her so fast. There was such a journey that we were on with her from the first record through Confessions on a Dance Floor, and it all made sense. We were on a journey that was of a piece. All of a sudden, between that record and Hard Candy, to me, is where things really started to unravel. And I'm curious, like, if you have any insight into, if you agree, first of all, and if you have any insight into what happened between Confessions on a Dance Floor, which was in 2005, the record she made with Stuart Price that features Hung Up and Sorry, and a lot of her last great hits, and Hard Candy, which was came out in 2008, which was kind of this record where she, like, worked with Timberland and Pharrell sort of past their prime and made almost like a Nelly Furtado album. What, so what happened? What, what? went on there i don't really know and i should also like uh, my caveat is that like i actually do like hard candy i know that so many people hate it but i you know it's a weird sounding record it's like and also like i think that like pharrell's work in particular was really ahead of its time because he recreated that sound with miley cyrus on bangers to much more acclaim and most famously and ariana's album too and blow by beyonce is basically a hard candy song she's not me she doesn't have
so like so I don't know I I, I don't mean I, I guess don't, I don't mean to diss Hard Candy but I see no it, but so many people hate that record like so many people who say I love Madonna I hate Hard Candy right right I guess it's just that I see it as the beginning of something Confessions for instance just being as as a counterpoint to Hard Candy continued a her tradition of like pulling an underground producer to the foreground that was like a very yeah. important part of the madonna project for many years Stuart price and kind of and by the way kind of running through those producers very rarely did a producer work with madonna and then like go on to do something else great and it kind of like that's kind of like a career ender in a way but also a weird. testament to her power because it, it to, is. To what and to what she was bringing to the table it's like whether they could never talk right, it's like whether that. you're talking about Stephen Bray or you're talking about um uh, Chef Pettibone or you're talking about Dave Hall Dave Hall William Orbit Mirwa you know whatever it's so that was confession i think that was sort of the one of the jarring tenants that i sort of see between confessions and Hard Candy, which is that she went from that sort of like tried and true Madonna tradition to kind of making a record with two producers that were like the biggest in the game at that yeah. time. And Way you can late. really hear them on that album. That was not them yes. bending to Madonna's will. It was at in generously a co co-creation. And to me, I felt like it was the first time where I heard Madonna songs and I was like, oh, I could hear Nelly Furtado making this song. I could hear Gwen Stefani making this song. And I guess that's the reason yes. that I pinpoint Hard Candy as an inflection point in this journey. Right. I, I, I you know, I, I guess it, there's something to be said for like the jig being up in a way where it was just like, probably with Hard Candy, it wasn't strong enough of a of a collection to sort of justify itself and so it felt like for the first time she's hardcore clout chasing even though madonna had an established pattern of like of cloud chasing yeah of, of 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 kind of like you know when she worked with massive attack blue lines had already like blown people's mind already years before that you know she she gets with nelly hooper who had incredible success with soul to soul and bjork uh, Dave Hall, another great example, made probably the most influential record of the early '90s, at least. Mary J. Blige's "What's the 411." Right. I guess. I guess bedtime stories between you know Dave Hall and and Dallas Austin was another time she worked with a Dallas Austin. Producers. Exactly. Yeah. Right. 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 Very much so. But there's so many songs on all of those records that are like, no matter what you think of Madonna, you can't deny the fucking tunes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it would be cool here to just put a, a little example of what Madonna was doing in 1994 on Bedtime Stories, which, as we were just sort of getting to, was another time before Hard Candy where Madonna broke with her sort of general trend of working with underground producers and worked with very hot producers of the moment, making it a bit of a precursor to Hard Candy in terms of also engaging with hip-hop and R&B actively in a way she hadn't before, in a way she also does on Hard Candy, but I think to more indelible results. Happiness lies in your own hand It took me much too long to understand
story is also notably another moment in her career similar to where she was in 2008 with Hard Candy where she really very much needed a hit. So interesting parallel there too in terms of who she was working with going to the established hit makers. But a major point here being that Bedtime Stories delivered on an artistic front and you couldn't really deny. And I think Hard Candy, you could deny the tunes or people could deny the tunes. And so that's just, she's kind of like, only as strong as it's weird because it the the hits are a self-perpetuating sort of thing in a way and so it's like if madonna ceases to make hits then kind of madonna ceases to exist you know yeah and i sort of feel like almost more importantly like that's how she seems to feel yeah and i think and, and i think it speaks to there's just something about her that like the magic is just her ability to kind of show and not tell. I think that's why a lot of when she like dissects her music in interviews, it falls flat because it's just like, you're just so much better at just doing it. And that's the genius of, and it's like, Oh, like express yourself says so much about like feminism in the late eighties in general, but like certainly pop feminism, it kind of like defined it for pop music. Right. So, and it's like, you don't need a dissertation on that. So it's just like her hard candy. She kind of lost the ability to kind of like speak on that vibration. Right. But it it was a weird, it was just a weird choice to me because as we were speaking about with bedtime stories, it was like she was coming off of the controversy of erotica and she really did need a hit. But coming into hard yeah. candy, she actually was coming off of confessions, which was like a very successful album, especially, you know, in comparison to American life, which had come before that. So that's always yeah. Been a point of confusion for me when it comes to hard candy is like what was the deal with that choice you know she must have felt on some level that she needed them to get herself back into the center of things and again i can only speculate but since this is my podcast i'm going yeah. to speculate <laughs> she must have felt like she had to do it she felt like in order to sort of recenter herself in the greater pop music narrative she needed a hit and that was who you went to for a hit at that time and so she got timberland she got justin timberlake to feature on her lead single from that album the hottest pop star in the game at that time and she gave herself the greatest chance at a hit Yeah, also keep also keep in mind like heart, like confessions undoubtedly a hit uh hung up is was i mean like just like the biggest song in the world and one, one of, of the biggest best. songs in the world of all time i i agree like my a uh, top two for me yes. hung up um but it wasn't very popular in america hung up went top 10 in america based on sales alone basically radio wasn't playing it so you can look at confessions as uh, a, a total hit, what would she possibly have to complain about? But if you look at it through the narrow scope of American radio and pop music, right. she probably was desperate to get back on. It was certainly a hit comparable to American Life, which came before it, which was a genuine miss. Flop. Right. Yes. But but all, but I also think American Life is underrated and like it has like the one of the best strings of songs, I think, that she's ever put on an album. Right. So, um a supremely uh, odd album, but in a good way. It is an odd album, but again, I mean, like, yeah, like we won't call American Life a, a reinvention per se, but again, a total sonic, sonic visual, 
uh, messaging idea that she had, you know? I mean, I, I think probably very few albums are as consistently sonically as American Life because even Erotica has those kind of flabby ballads at the end where it's like, mm-hmm. God, if you took off, like, in this life and why is it so hard, this would be, like, Perfect. your best... It would be, like, one of the best records. Like, Erotica just needs a little bit of an edit, I think, to be, like, an absolute uh, unmissable classic. So many but, um, albums are that yeah. way. But... <laughs> So, yes, I know. Um, luckily, we can, you know. We can make our own Spotify little playlist. Exactly. But, yeah, about. But, but, I mean, it's a good question. If we are speculating, I think that maybe she was viewing her career through the scope of America, as many people do. And despite Confessions, global success and artistic success, I mean, she that is an, that album's a vision as well. Great tour. Um, she wanted more. Yeah, great. Yeah, she exactly. Could, I mean, she like, could that, not let go of the, like... It, she, my feeling is, again, I don't fucking know her, so I don't know, but my feeling is that her identity is so wrapped around being the center of the pop universe. And I think that when she felt that kind of her grip loosening, and I mean, I guess the funny thing about that is that Hard Candy really was just the beginning of a tumble, you know? Right. I mean, have you liked yes. any of those records? Have you liked? Do, do you have I anything? Like MDNA, okay. Really? Uh, uh, oh yeah, my yeah, God! Rich like, coming to like... bat for MDNA. <laughs> Just to clarify here for our listeners, MDNA is the album that came out in 2012, following Hard Candy. And while we were saying Hard Candy was a commercial disappointment, it still featured her last top 10 hit. Whereas MDNA, which sort of found her returning to more of like a, an electronic dance sound after working with Timberland and Pharrell, she worked with like more straightforward dance producers like Benny Benaz and Martin Solveig, who were hot EDM producers at the time, and really became her first album that had zero hits. It was really the beginning of, like, the major, major, major commercial slide. So I just wanted to make sure that that was clear for everybody. Yeah, I could, like, whittle out, like, an eight, out a, a strong eight-track album from MDNA. Like, I I'm think. Addicted was a decent fun. I'm Addicted, uh-huh. absolutely. Love, Love Spent, uh-huh. I think is great. All right. Okay, maybe I need um, to go back and listen to MDNA again. But I guess what I'm saying is that we've never had that feeling since Confessions that she was in complete control of what she was doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the electricity just, like, coming out of her. And it's like, okay, like, she needs to make this record. That makes sense. It's always, it's it's ever since, ever since Confessions felt like, all right, she doesn't really have that much to say, but she's gotta do something so is it that she doesn't do ha- is it that she doesn't have that much to say or is it that like what yeah. we would actually I think she want, doesn't have- you think she doesn't have that much to say because i i've always i've always wondered like uh like is it that she doesn't have anything interesting to say or is it that what we would be interested in i.e some truths about her she's not interested in saying she's mostly just interested in having a hit that's what she wants I don't know. I mean, I feel like Rebel Heart in its most deluxe version had like 25 songs and there's not a damn thing said on any Nothing. of them. Nothing. Nada. She she really could have taken the time if she had something to say to say it in one of those bonus tracks or an album. Even just cut. one song. Even just one. One song. Just <laughs> a, like an interesting thing. And there's really nothing on that record. So to me, like Rebel Heart was the true nail in the coffin. MDNA, like, 
people were mad that she was doing uh, EDM at the time. I think Dead Mouse like dragged her or whatever. And it's like, okay, dude, like this is her turf starting at the beginning of her career. It's just that this is where dance music has evolved to. You do realize that like Madonna was literally making electronic dance music in 1982. It was literally electronic. Right. So- except except at that time, it felt like she was on the vanguard of something. Whereas like when it came to MDNA, it felt like, okay, I hear a song like Girls Gone Wild. I'm like, that's a catch song. Yes, absolutely. And it's like only made for to be played at like Barracuda, right. you know, you, right. like that's just one of those tracks that's like a drag. It's like it's like a share song. It's like it's like a song off of the the Believe album, you know, and everything else from Share since that. It's like okay, drag queens and gay guys at bars will like this music, and that's right, it. right. But did we ever count on Share to be a musical innovator in the way that we came to expect from Madonna? Well, I, I see. I don't feel like Madonna is an innovator. I feel like Madonna is a very good at finding trends and making them make sense on a on a global scale and adding her own thing too like the, her voice whether you know via literally or her writing is so crucial to her music it's not just like she was a trend chaser and like new jack swing is great let's do a new jack swing record mm. in 94 which was really late to be doing a new jack swing record i mean there is some there was always something to her but like i don't think like maybe justify my love you could say is like a weird fucking song but in general she was following you know she was following forms that were like really if not like if they hadn't broken yet they were just under the surface right. you know to like to hook up with Nelly Hooper and have him make you a Bjork song for anybody who got their music news and were listening to anything beyond what was on the radio was a pretty obvious move. I mean, like I was a teenager when that happened and I had loved Bjork then too. And it was like, yeah, she's awesome. If I had the wherewithal and career to make a pop music, I would copy off of Bjork too. Right, right, right. So do you feel as though Madonna is perceived as an innovator in a way that's sort of overrated or not exactly true? Yes, I would say so. I would even, you know, even Ray of Light, no offense, whatever. You know, I when that album came out, I was like, I've heard this from Paul Van Dyke. I've heard this Mm. from Paul Oakenfold. I've I've heard this, you know, and I'm talking about like the really up-tempo, you know, trancey songs. You know, uh, Frozen, I think, is a pretty weird song. It's it's kind of trip hoppy in a way. But the way that the breaks kind of like flutter in and out of the chorus, I hadn't really heard before. But it's just sort of. You know, here and there, there are musical ideas that I haven't heard before per se, but a lot of it is sort of an extension of what was already going on. She's just kind of a curator. Right. I guess what I'm thinking about as you're talking is there's echelons of innovation in pop. Like you are, you you know, it's like she's an innovator in her upper echelon, I guess, would be like a more accurate description of what she does. She's a yeah, risk. She's not Prince. Right. She's not going to give you a sound you've never right, heard exactly. before. Exactly. She's not Prince. She's not, or and, and she's not Bjork. And she's not MIA or whoever you want to talk to who are like. Kate Bush. Yeah, Kate Bush. Like, so, um, but she is a risk taker in her echelon in terms of like, yes, Ray of Light, if you are plugged into the dance music trends that she was drawing on, or yes, Vogue, if you were plugged into you know, that that strain of house music and, and ball culture, you would know about that. But in her echelon of pop, she was she was the first to sort of like bring those elements in. So that's an in, that's innovation in a sense, you know? 
it's kind of like a full package innovation as opposed to a Sonic innovation. I don't think that there was much Sonic innovation, but I do think that she did things in that sphere that no one had done before. And, you know, her audacity is impressive. Right. And I, I guess some of the things that we're talking about now in terms of her, like, lacking innovation is... Like, okay, yes, we could say that, like, maybe she is overrated in some ways as an innovator. But when you hear a record like Hard Candy, or you hear a record like MDNA, or you hear, like, the Diplo sounds on Rebel Heart. And, again, just to sort of position us all here for a second, Rebel Heart is the album after MDNA, which came out in 2015, and featured her working with a lot of sort of, like, the hot EDM and hip-hop producers of the moment, including Diplo and Symbolic One, who was working with Kanye. It was, like, a real sort of list of producers with sounds that were all over pop, uh, you know, beyond Madonna. It was not like that she 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 was working with like sort of the hot producers of the moment and it showed. It's not Jay-Z and Beyonce. It's not Nicki or Little Way. It's not Oprah and Obama, the Pope and Rihanna Queen, Elizabeth or Kanye. It's not pentagrams or witchcraft. It's not triangles or stacks of cash. Black magic or gaga, Gucci or Prada, riding on the golden cat. I'll see eyes watching tonight. You don't even hear a top an, an upper echelon. I mean, like, there's there's nothing interesting going on musically, even like slightly on those songs. They're so trendy. Um, yeah, yeah. And that was one thread that she clearly lost at that point. It's also really important to like keep in mind that you know when the aughts came. Divas were just flopping left and right. You know, American Life flopped, Just Whitney flopped, Charm Bracelet flopped after Glitter had flopped, Tony Braxton flopped. Right. And, you know, so it was out with these like very well established persona divas and in with the kind of like, you know, blandness of Jennifer Lopez and Sierra. And and I think Jennifer Lopez and Sierra have made wonderful records. Yes. And I think in retrospect, they they do have personas but certainly at first it was just like there are these girls who are not really singing that well they're taking up all of the space right what is going on here it was kind of a shock to see how little was being accepted as enough i agree and also like that really was an era where like the sort of like ultra drag aspect of pop was really like mitigated by sort of sex like simple sexiness and like um yeah like that was personified by Jennifer Lopez and personified by Britney at her peak and sort of like that that it, it became like about being like an all-American kind of like girl as opposed to being sort of like a uh, uh, like a like a larger than life presentation. And that was actually totally. I think the Lady Gaga Madonna connection is so overrated, but I do think that that was one of the th- the good things that Lady Gaga reinvigorated when she arrived in the late two in whenever she came out which was like bringing back that element of like pop star as like a drag clown i totally agree and i think also if we're talking about hard candy era one of madonna's greatest mishaps was to be so shady to lady gaga if she had put i mean like it created this war between the fans Gaga was obviously going to win it because she was new and she had considerable chops, huge out the gate, uh, can sing her ass off, Mm -hmm. can write a hook, can play the piano. She's the person that you want on your side. If if Madonna had been cool to Lady Gaga, I think her career might have gone an entirely different way. Uh. And 
her inability to see that is I mean, she dug her own grave there. She really did. So that was her undoing of her own accord. And it's because, like you said, she has this obsession with being the center when it's like you had such a good run. It, you, be nice to this person and she'll help you have more well, attention. Listen, you can, and also you can collaborate with her. Also, I, this brings me to like what I want. Another thing I want to ask you about, which is the Instagram. I mean, it's I think we can't sort of escape talking about later era Madonna without talking about sort of like the what she's doing every day on social media uh, and how kind of like endlessly cringy it feels. So all when the time. she. I mean, I I remember writing a post on Gawker when her Instagram debuted because the pictures of her on it were so bad that I was like, it's it's amazing that Madonna's like so free of vanity that she's just posting these pictures of herself. But then it turned out that that wasn't really the case. It wasn't some kind of send up or whatever. It was just a dysmorphic thing. It was like she couldn't even like see what she looked like and was and I think it's I think it's again it's part of the whole like well you love me so I can just do whatever and and look that worked in truth or dare she's an utter asshole I love that movie I think it's the gold standard of the rock doc I wish you know every but, time somebody comes out with one right I mean but she's so magnetic in that movie she I mean, is but she might be an asshole but you literally can't take your eyes off her which is not what you say about the Instagram no it's not but I do think <laughs> that she for many years got away with doing whatever the fuck she wanted and it it, you know through sheer saturation alone people got sick of it right and so then she's like get a load of me i can do whatever i want i'm madonna and people are like not here for it babe is is it almost like is it almost like at a certain point and like her run being longer than most it's like your time comes as a pop musician. Yes. And it's like, what do you do then? You know what I mean? Like, and I, and you wrote a great piece when yeah. Janet's Unbreakable came out because I do think Janet is an interesting foil to Madonna in many ways. She's a peer and they operate in a lot of the same spaces. And Janet's an example of someone else who spent a number of albums. And again, Janet's trajectory is different because of the Super Bowl incident and because she's yes. a black woman and insert everything else here. Um, totally. But... Janet was somebody who, similarly to Madonna, although I happen to enjoy the later period Janet attempts at being relevant more than I enjoy Madonna's. Like, I would take discipline over, like, MDNA or whatever. Um, I like, I mean, I legitimately like half of 20Y. Yeah, there's some gems on there. I mean, I love, I I would say I love Demita Joe. Love Demita I, Joe. I could say I, I love that album. Love Demita Joe. So, like, so absolutely. I think we can totally. all agree but that Demita Joe would have been a fucking smash hit record if it wasn't for the goddamn Super Bowl. Well, I think I Want You would have at least gone top 20. Yes, and also and All like, Night. And she could have gotten another one out of All Night. All yeah. Night. It, 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 all Night is a, a But also a My Baby. Yes, and, oh my God. You know. Yes. But uh, Truly also like could have been an R&B hit. I mean, like there's there is stuff on that record. It was mishandled. Yes, mishandled sonically of a piece with All For You, which was a huge record. And also, it's very clear that the Super Bowl and that fallout from that prevented that album from being successful. She was... 100%. So, so insert... She's done dirty. It's so dirty. And it's it's an important topic for another day. But my point is that when Janet's most recent record came out, Unbreakable, in 2015, you wrote a piece about it that was so prescient. And what you pointed out was that she just fucking chilled the fuck out and like made an album that was like personal, quiet, clearly what she wanted to make at the time, like emotionally intimate 
And it wasn't like it was a smash hit success, but like it was a success in like how do how does a 40, late 40s, early 50s, into 60s female pop star handle the fact that yes, you were once the biggest artist in the world and that that's never happening again. And in a way, we've right. never and gotten to that place with Madonna and we've just never gotten there. We, we have it. And, and, and keep in mind too, the, the particular conundrum of these artists is that you know, they come from a world of dance pop. Ne- neither Madonna nor Janet nor any of their descendants for the most part, have voices that are going to mature into mature people's music. You know, you're, you're not going to right, see... Like Beyonce is the kind of voice where it's like she could mature into doing... A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Like, Madonna, like, like catch... Beyonce could make like gospel albums and like adult contemporary albums if she wanted. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Beyonce could do a soul throwback album that would make total sense to everybody's ears. Whereas Madonna and Janet are not going to be singing this the Great American Songbook. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It just wouldn't make sense. It just, no, I, I mean, I don't want to hear that. I really hope yeah. not. <laughs> so, so like, so it just seemed to me like, you know, Janet clearly thought like well i am sitting on a pile of money i don't need this record to sell you know to go diamond in order to feed myself and the baby that i'm about to have weirdly nor will it you know nor 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 will will it it. So, so so how do i express myself where i am now and i think that is the biggest problem with madonna's career is that you know the clout chasing the hit chasing you know that you know having a ballad with Sway Lee and doing that thing. I mean, the, you know, the the future of that song is just like, why are you doing this? Not everyone is coming to the future. Not everyone is learning from the past. Not everyone can come into the future. Not everyone that's here is gonna last. Not everyone is coming to the future. Not everyone is coming from the past. Okay, I mean, we can take a moment on Madame X if we have to, which is, oh, I just want an album I just deeply, deeply, deeply do just, not enjoy and find actually quite hard to listen to. Because it, she's so, it's so, like, tightly wound and constricted in the way her vocals come out, in, like, these, the, the ideas that she's trying to, like, convey to us in these clunky ways, the fussy production choices. Like, it's so... It you I it's like the reason I bring up Janet is because just like girl chill like I genuinely wonder what it would sound like to get a record from a genuinely chilled out and relaxed Madonna in 2021 like what would that be if like? she you know if she can relax like what does even relaxing look like for Madonna right. <laughs> I don't know I I just think that like at a certain point like you know like do an MDNA and and try it out again. But, you know, after Hard Candy was obviously a disappointment and then MDNA flopped, I don't understand why she didn't just, like, start doing, like, art shit. Like, right. You can do you whatever know, you want, as you were get, saying. Exactly. Get Brian Eno on the phone. Work with Twigs. How, like, also, like, even, like, MIA, like, I don't really want to hear Madonna doing Galang. Oh, my God, please, but no. You, you, like, you, you hire... MIA to do the most basic fucking song. It's like what why? Like right. why why isn't MIA producing that? You know, why isn't she coming with her ideas for this? I just so, I'm just like I don't even think MIA would be the collaborator. Like at this point we need we but, should need, but I think Brian Eno is like actually a pretty interesting thought. But you know, there's so much and it's just like I don't I don't know as somebody who is like obsessed with the art world as Madonna has, you know, implied that she is, why hasn't she taken a turn toward just making like 
art music, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like every artist's be, dream <laughs> to be that free. It, you know, like, I mean, I mean like, I, I don't like, I, I like more, re- more recent Madonna music than I like Bjork music, but I would rather see Madonna take that career path of making like really obtuse shit um, that at least it's like, okay, well, you know, y- you know that she had that in her, like she definitely wants to be doing this. I don't want to listen to it, but she wants to be doing it. Whereas like the current incarnation is like palpable desperation. I think. Right. And Madame X is also interesting in the context of this particular conversation, because it was certainly a weird album, but like not in the enjoyable way. It's weird for weird sake. I mean, I think dark ballet is the, Nadir when it goes yeah. into that is that the disco Tchaikovsky one yeah, thing? yeah 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 I was reading no, reading your no review. no the oh. um the disco one is is uh God control God control God control God. Oh, God which is like which is also like I mean it's actually so so like the big the big thing for me with that record that I found really offensive is that she's like adopting social justice as drag and for her for her to be doing this song about gun control in 2019 saying this is your wake up call <sighs> well i'm sure that's really good for people who get their news through madonna albums but for the rest of us we've we've had our wake up call where we we're aware we've been aware of this madonna like i don't need you on gun control saying the most obvious fucking shit it was like it was it was very resistance mommy resistance mommy chica was <laughs> This is your wake-up call. Unlike your nightmare, I'm here to start your day. This is your wake-up call. We don't have to fall. A new democracy. Got it for not And yeah, and it's like it's like everything I learned about social justice I learned by watching people on Twitter. It's fucking embarrassing. I agree. It's like I agree. It was, it was like e- nobody's even like nobody's even clocking her for that. Like nobody even wants you to be. You don't need to say anything about that. So in a way, that is like her Twitter album. It's like uh, like I don't have anything to say, but I feel really obligated to say something. So here's Madame X, and I'm wearing an eye patch. Right. <laughs> I I I always just felt like. I mean, I know you feel like she doesn't have anything to say, but I'd be curious to like know about her life. I, I'm I, I feel like yeah. that was one thing that yeah. I missed a lot about on her last run of albums is like at least on Ray of Light and on music, there was you were getting a a world uh, view into a middle aged pop star rich woman's life it was interesting on a certain level like, even, even miles away yes and like and you were getting like while it might have been clunky and self-indulgent and there was all the weird yoga shit and all that kind of stuff at least you were getting something that felt honest i feel like there's something almost just so arm's length about everything she's done recently and, and madame x being another one where it's like yeah she's more comfortable sort of like sloganeering about gun control than she would be about sort of like letting us into like what is it what 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 is it like to be a 60-year-old pop star? And there's so much there yeah. that we're being deprived of. And not to mention, she's paved the way so many different times for women in this genre. Um, and 
she proved with Ray of Light that there is a path forward for being a middle-aged woman in pop that people could potentially be interested in. And I think it's a template that Beyonce has followed. There's a lot of people you can point to that have like taken that seriously. It's like, okay, I can be a mother. I can be someone's wife and I can still make interesting, truthful pop music about who I am at whatever phase I am in my life and people want to hear it and it can be a fucking hit. And she's completely abdicated that in the latter part of her career. And, you know, for all she's talked about in, in press cycles, both um, uh, both uh, Madame X and um, Rebel Heart and maybe even before about ageism she's never sang about it I've never seen how that's played out I mean what what's it like fucking a 25 year old guy when you're 25 versus like 65 I need to know I mean come on or anything with just even like a kernel of truth about you right so it's it's just it's rough it's rough All right, so that was a journey. The last 15 years have been rough, but I think it's good for us to finish this conversation by sort of circling back to Madonna's greater legacy and all the good that she has done. So normally at this point in the conversation, we debate where these artists are in the particular tiers of the pantheon. With Madonna, that's not debatable. I mean, she is right. she's tier one. She is the tier one artist. I, I, and so in lieu of that, I, I guess I want to ask... You know, this sounds weird given that we've spent a lot of time just now focused on, like, you know, a really hard, rough patch in her career. But let's just refresh the audience. Madonna's work and legacy is so important and indelible. And we only struggle so much, I think, with this last era because we know what Madonna's capable of and what she would still be capable of even at this advanced stage in her career in terms of delivering you know, the amazing groundbreaking work that she had for the 25 years preceding it. So is Madonna the most important female pop star of all time? And is she the most important pop star of all time? I mean, probably, uh, you know, it's really hard to say vis-a-vis what we just talked about with her legacy, you know, at a certain point. Okay. So here, here's like my thought on this this is the sad truth that eventual irrelevance is quite unfortunately a product of successful iconoclasm. You know, Madonna changed the world so much that you can't even feel Mm, her change anymore. Right. Right. Like it's so So, baked in the cake of every single pop star that's come after her that like, that it's invisible. Right. 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 Same with Janet. So like Janet, that's absolutely. You know what? Who also this like really goes for REM. REM totally changed music. Mm. And now you go back and listen to like, you know, the late eighties, early nineties are, REM albums and they sound uh, kind of in turn just sonically kind of basic and it's right. like oh no no this was like radical actually it's just that you can't tell because then everybody did that. Right and Madonna is so that on like such a huge level. Like I just think about like the very concepts that we think of in terms of pop stardom like whether it's the reinvention discussion or it's whether it's the way that tours look whether tours. it's a to- right? 100% like, the tours. Um, uh, the way we think of pop music as like an amalgam of many genres or whether it's like pulling from underground genres and mainstreaming them. I mean, she really is the inventor of so much of basically what we think of as pop stardom. I mean, it's her, Michael and Prince, I guess. Yes. Yeah. More or less. Yeah. And, and, and the idea that pop music, that commercialism could be art, um, 
you know, obviously, right, that commercials, Andy yeah. Warhol was doing that. But uh, but it just in terms of music, there, you know, there were very few people that were kind of doing it as overtly and as successfully. I mean, it's like if one thing to like strive for commercialism in your art, that happens to be music, but it's another thing to like, be that commercial and that artful as she was early on. Do you think that Madonna's this is two pronged. Do you think that Madonna's status as the most important pop star of all time or or one of the top three, let's say most important pop stars of all time, how much of that is like luck or being in the right place at the right time? Or how much of that is something that is essential about her? I think like the most essential thing about her is that she's taken every opportunity and walked through every door quite savvily. Mm. So I don't think that you can like detach them. You know, I think like her gift is to capitalize on that good fortune and again and again and again, you know, um, right. You just there's, would you say that like her ability to sort of grasp and take hold of opportunity is the a number one secret six to her yeah, success? I think so. I think that, yeah. And, and, and to do it to like without flinching, you know what I mean? Yeah. To the, the, you the kinda, confidence, the confidence. These days, you kind of feel the 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 bodily stammer coming out as she's like releasing something. Back right. in the day, it was just like effortless. It felt like yeah, and 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 I think it's so funny because she's so calculated. You know, she's so in a way like she so much thought went into all of that. But I, there was there's something about her versus so many other pop stars that have come after her, which is that like, it did all feel that it emanated from her inspiration. And like, and like, she just had a like, she was very connected to some sort of like, I don't know what even to call it. I, I, I say inspiration. I don't know what the right word would be, but she just was self-possessed about like what she knew needed to happen for her career. And I guess for pop writ large. And she just followed that muse in a way that like was so, con- as you were saying, so confident, so self-possessed uh, that like really sold it in a way that like, I don't feel like I get that from most pop stars. And I think that like, yeah. that's another big piece of like, what we loved about her and then also what I feel like we're missing at this point is that connection. Yeah. The audacity and the brashness were the aesthetic really. And her editorial eye, I think is the other one. Like she is the ultimate editor in chief, which is something that I sort of actually think ties her and Beyonce together in the sense of Beyonce also is not sitting down and like plucking out a song on the guitar, uh, but she is good. One of Beyonce's gifts is going like this. I, I want what you have. I want what you have. I want what you have. And her ability to really like see the big picture and put it together in that way. And I think yeah. that's something that Madonna is her, is her like uh, spiritual pop mommy in that way. If you know what I mean? Like that was Madonna's gift as well. It was the connection to the muse, the ballsiness, the grit, the the determination and like the the eye for what was cool and how to put all of that together yep what a complicated figure i mean there's she's so she's so multifaceted and it's like you know i want her to win I, i struggle so much with like the clunky like like everything we're talking about here and everything we were talking about in our previous segment about her latter period output it's hard for me to watch this because I have so much respect for her and I really do believe she deserves her position at the top of this pecking order. And I hate to see the way that she is 
tarnishing people's memory of the great work and things that she did. It's really, I struggle with that a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough because you have to just wonder what she could do at this point besides just making dazzling art, yeah. you know? And uh, maybe she's capable of it. I don't know. I've noticed just in recent years, just in interviews, there seems to be a weird disconnect. I have always felt like the interview has been like- An art no form for what, her. <laughs> I mean, I mean, literally, and and- Arguably, the thing that she is absolutely the best at, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I mean, just so charming, Funny, and witty, quick, and quick, yeah. and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just incredible. And and lately, it's just like there's like a wall built up, and it's like, what is going on with her? Well, I, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even begin to theorize. Well, but. well, to throw her a bone, we, you know, because we, we we we've we've armchaired psychologyed her, and she deserves it. But to throw her a bone, it's so hard. And I, this is cliche, but being an aging woman in the center of pop culture, I, you know, my heart goes out to her in a certain way because I'm yeah. kind of just like, that can't be easy to have your whole life centered around this iconography of you as this young girl in the wedding dress or you in Vogue or you in whatever, even in, as like the hot young mom. Like that's like yeah. the, that's, you know, you were all of those things and now you're not, you can't move like you used to. People don't care like they used to. That shit fucks with your brain. Like it's not, I guess what's hard is that she's paved the way through difficult terrain before so many times. She opened doors and paved a way for so many different phases of these, of a woman's career in pop successfully. And she's sort of abdicated that. And in this later period. I think that that's sort of the thing that I sort of brace against with later period Madonna is like she stopped trying to find a way to like make who she truly was now something that would be of interest to us as pop fans. And I think that's truly the thing that I've ultimately struggled the most with in this part of her career, I guess. She's definitely dropped the ball. It's... um... (laughs) I mean, I, I would. It's astonishing, astonishing. That someone could to to this extent. Really, it's astonishing. I, and then on the other end, it's astonishing that she carried it on for as far as she did. It's true. You know, it's true. It's almost she, like she she said she was a victim of the own expectations she created for herself in a way. It, as is the case with so many icons. Exactly. Exactly. Rich, this was so great. Thank you so much for doing this with me. This was cathartic. I think. Thank you. And I would like to bring us out on a song from Ray of Light that I think really represents something so amazing that Madonna did, which was take her experiences as a middle-aged woman, as a mother, and turn it into some fabulous pop music that was so. So radical in terms of what I was talking about and proves that you can talk about anything in pop as long as the music and authenticity is there. Rich, thank you so, so much again. Thank you for having me, Louie. When I was very young, nothing really mattered to me but making myself happy. I was the only one. Now that I am Wow, that was quite a convo, and obviously Madonna, they don't call her the queen of fucking pop for nothing. She is tier one, she's the reason tier one exists, so the quote-unquote judgment is rendered, but it's not even for me to judge. Madonna is 
the Pop Pantheon. One thing I'm walking away from this conversation feeling like is she personifies Tier 1 for all the reasons we talked about, but also because one thing I often say about Tier 1 is when you're there, you can fuck up a lot and it can't really affect your position in the Pantheon because that's how great your legacy is. That's how impactful what you've done is. There's nothing you could do to, to move out of that tier. And I think Madonna in so many ways and everything we talked about on this episode just proves that point. Madonna has made a series of missteps over the last almost 15 years, and yet it has zero effect, at least to me, and I think to culture writ large on the trail she blazed, the achievements she garnered in her career. They're astounding and they're evident in every single person in the pop pantheon and I have so much respect for her and I wish she would let me A&R her next album. Maybe she can hire Rich and I to do that. Thank you so much to Rich Doesweak. I have to tell you, Rich is such a fabulous writer that I've been reading since, you know, over a decade and he's one of the people that made me want to engage with pop music in this way reading what he's written over the last, you know, period of years. So it was a real trip for me to have him on and I'm so, so honored. So thank you again to Rich. Please go follow us on Instagram at Pop Pantheon Pod. Follow me on Instagram at DJ Louie XIV and also on Twitter at DJ Louie XIV. Hit five stars, hit subscribe, leave a review. Tell us what you think about Madonna's legacy. And maybe if you liked MDNA, let's hear about it in the uh, comment section on Apple Music. And yeah, we'll be back in a couple weeks with another episode. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful weekend. Goodbye.